you slept in. Hey, we're not judging. Sometimes you just need to get those Z's. And if you do need to snooze, we'd much rather you did that at home in your warm, comfortable bed than in our pews. You can always catch up with the sermon later, right here on the Sunday Morning Sleep In podcast. You'll still miss out on the intergenerational community and support and encouragement that that brings that we think is really important. Fun music and charming children at children's time. And we don't have any cookies that we can offer through the podcast, but we'll give you what we can. I'm Chris Marshall. And I'm Susan Foster. And we are United Methodist Pastors in Reno, Nevada. We're not theological experts or homiletical harbingers of a new age. We're your average pastors helping our congregations think through life's big questions every week. We started this podcast, so if you're away from home or working or maybe have to travel after your kid's traveling baseball team. Or if you're at the River Festival or or the Sculpture Sculpture Festival Festival, or or the the Pinup Festival festival that was at the Sands this weekend. Who knows? a busy place. Or maybe you just slept in. Or maybe you just slept in. You can keep up with some of the ideas floating around with this podcast. Each episode is a conversational version of a sermon that we gave on Sunday. So whatever day it is when you're listening to this, snuggle up in your uh, favorite blanket, keep running or keep running those errands, and receive this with an open mind and an open heart. And we have this quick note that we say every week, or twice a week actually. We don't really care if you agree with everything we say or not. And in fact, we want you to use your brain and encourage you to question, to disagree, and to figure out what you think. But our sincere hope is that you will experience the mysterious loving force in the world we know as God moving in your life as you consider this. So Susan. So Chris. So we preached on the same scripture. Woohoo! Lectionary preachers. So it's John 14. We, we were flashing back. I like that image. Yeah, I think that's a really a neat way to think about it. So we're flashing back. It's after Easter. We're still in Easter in the church, but the scripture comes from before the crucifixion. Yeah. Jesus is sort of given his final pep talk to his disciples. Right. And yeah. he gets to this passage that we've heard read at funerals and all of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And that has been used by churches uh, to proclaim the exclusivity of Christianity for salvation. <gasps> yes. And this is one of those places where, like, we as preachers run into this all the time. If you say anything that indicates any way at all that you think that perhaps. Maybe, you know, Christians don't have the whole picture. They go, but what about the way, the life, and the truth? And that's when I say, let me explain the way and the life and the truth to you. And that's what we're going to do a little bit today. We're going to debunk. Debunk? I love a good debunk. Garbage, to use the French word. Right. We're going to just take a closer look at that little claim in the scripture and maybe see if there's other ways. Other ways to see it. To look at it. Like other ways to see the beginning of the passage. You know what? So many other ways. So So many many other ways ways to see things. So Jesus is gathering with his disciples. It's before he knows he's going to be arrested. Like we said before, he's just told Peter, by the way, you're going to break my heart. Yeah. And he's just told Judas, by the way, you're going to kill me. And Judas has quietly slunk out the back door and Peter is comfortable in his denial and sitting at the (laughs) table. Yep. And uh, and all the disciples. We've all had those moments, right? And the disciples that are in front of him, Jesus is Jewish. The disciples are Jewish. Yes. And I don't think Jesus is trying to give them the doctrine for the church going forward. No. I think Jesus is looking at the people in front of him and realizing how upset and worried they are. Yeah. And I think saying, you're right. 
how do I address that? Right. He's looking, He's. it's his pastoral heart that's looking at these, the people he loves before his, him. His kiddos. Yeah. His, his buddies are sitting around and they're all just totally downcast yeah. and being a bummer. And Jesus is trying to say, what would cause the human heart not to be troubled? Right. Right. So and how do I, how do I help them understand they're going to live through this? It's going to be okay. Right. It's going to be okay. And which is actually kind of a major thing that John is working on like because he's got this apocalyptic like you're gonna live through it kind of view going on in the whole past i mean that's one of the things i spend a lot of time debunking the way that i've heard john interpreted and perhaps when i look at the ways that i interpret john i will like john better (laughs) than the ways that other people have interpreted john for me i think that's probably very very true yeah, and so if I just sat down and spent some time yeah. with John, probably he and I would get along great. But for right now, I'm still kind of peeved with him most of the time. Yeah, yeah I know, I know. Because John gets used for this exclusivity crap. So right. So we're going to talk about that. So this is a scripture that we've heard read at funerals forever. Mm-hmm. And I think it's appropriate because Jesus is standing at the side of his own freshly dug grave. So and, to speak. Yeah, so to speak. And, and talking to us about ours. Right. And in order for the human hearts in front of him not to be troubled, Jesus is trying to give him give them the only advice he's ever given them, which is trust God. Right. Trust God, trust God, trust God. What does that look like? So somebody asked Martin Luther, mm-hmm. what does it mean to have a God? Okay. And Martin Luther said, God is what we hang our heart upon. Mm-hmm. I've heard that, yeah. And I kind of love that image because... You know, we as humans, we hang our hearts on lots of things. Mm -hmm. We hang our hearts on other people's expectations. We hang our hearts on our own desires. We hang our hearts on what, you know, what other people say is okay or not okay. Our fears, Mm -hmm. our worries Mm -hmm. take up a lot of space. And we just let our, we just let our hearts go there. Yeah. A lot. And what Jesus is saying is hang your heart on something that is steady. Yeah. Hang your heart on God. Mm -hmm. Right? Trust. Trust. God. And then he says... To Thomas's impertinent question about, well, how do we do that? How do we how do we <laughs> get to this place? Jesus says, "I am the way and the truth and the life." And in John, Jesus starts out John one right off the bat. Jesus is the love of God embodied, right? And so Put when Jesus says, moved into the neighborhood, all that. When Jesus says, "I am the way and the truth and the life," I think what he's saying is embodying this love of God. Is mm-hmm. where you find your way to God, your way to what is true, and your way to being fully alive here and now. Yeah. And um, I, I think that's that's beautiful for a lot of reasons. Because when we hang our hearts on all these worries and all these expectations and all these mm-hmm. other things, um, one of the things that happens is we begin to fear mm-hmm. that we're not good enough, that yeah. we're taking up too much space. Women particularly, I think, have been trained to kind of be quiet and Mm -hmm. and hold your corner, but don't take up too much space. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so there's this term for it now. It's called imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. We've Mm -hmm. talked a little bit about imposter syndrome before, but imposter syndrome is thinking that, you know, no matter how many good things you've done, that you've somehow fooled everybody else into thinking you're okay and you're secretly not okay. Right. And so when we hang our hearts on all these other things. It's sort of hanging your heart on the, um, the internal voice. Yeah. And so, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure that that's helpful. Because <laughs> I, I don't know about you, but sometimes my inner voice doesn't tell me the truth. Yeah, you know, sometimes sometimes we lie to each other. But uh, there's this great story about imposter syndrome that I want to share with you from Neil Gaiman. And Neil Gaiman is 
this guy who, uh, you know, he's written all these books. He wrote Coraline. He, t- he talks about imposter syndrome. This is kind of been floating around the intertubes for a while. Yeah. And he says this. He says, some years ago, I was lucky enough to be invited to a gathering of great and good people, artists and scientists, writers and discoverers of things. And I felt that at any moment they would realize that I didn't qualify to be there among these people who had really done things. <laughs> On my second or third night there, some party. Yeah. I was must have been a, ret- a, a, a something. A, something. I was standing at the back of the hall while a musical entertainment happened. And I started talking to a very nice, polite, elderly gentleman about several things, including our shared first name. <laughs> and then he pointed to the hall full of people and he said the words to the effect of, I just look at all these people and I think, what the heck am I doing here? <laughs> They've made amazing things. I just went where I was sent. <laughs> and Neil Gaiman said, yes, but you were the first man on the moon. I think that counts for something. <laughs> uh, Neil Gaiman says, you know, he felt a little bit better because if Neil Armstrong felt like an imposter, maybe everyone did. <laughs> Maybe there weren't any grown-ups, only people who had worked hard and got lucky and were slightly out of their depth, all of us doing the best job we could, which is all we can really hope for. Hmm. Just think, like, if Neil Gaiman and Neil Armstrong Armstrong have imposter syndrome. Yeah, then no wonder that sometimes we get caught hanging our hearts in the wrong place. Yeah. And so Jesus is saying, knock it off. Right, right. This is is how this is going to be able to be. Take up space. You are who you are. Take up your space. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that he's telling us in this God, you know, in God's house, there are many mansions, is that God makes room for Mm. us, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that we don't impose on God, that God loves us and accepts us the way we are. Yeah. And and that you could never show up and, and, and just be at the back of the party. Right. And that Jesus is saying, if love embodied, if God's love embodied is the way and the truth and the life, then it's only half of it if you think God loves me. And the other half of it is loving the way God loves. Right. And that God wants both of those things for us. Jesus wants both of those things for us so that we experience the fullness and the, the depth and the breadth that is right. the amazing love of God. Right. Because I, I think we definitely um, tend to stop on the whole, oh, I love God thing. But but then we that's just sort of becomes the end all be all, I think. Um, it's it's implicit, if not explicit, in the theology that we're trying to debunk, right? Mm-hmm. That that's all there is. You know, love God and you get into heaven, right? And that you're working on loving God for that reward versus the reality that when we begin to also love as God loves, we actually see the fullness of God and we see more of God to love. Exactly. More to love. More to love. <laughs> So Steve Garnis Holmes, who's a United Methodist pastor somewhere in the Northeast. I don't know where he's he is. He's in Massachusetts days. right now, I think. Um, so he's been writing about this this week. And one of the things that he said is, you know, people have used this scripture to imagine Jesus answering a question that he wasn't asked. Right. Um, he was not being asked which religion will get you saved. He was not comparing one ism with another. After all, he was Jewish and he was talking to Jews. It's not that there's one religion and one way and no other way. There is no way at all. No set of rules, no formula, no ism, not even Christianity. There is only relationship and presence and love. Jesus isn't selling a religion. He's offering himself. Mm -hmm. In a lot of ways, Jesus is not trying to convert us. He's inviting us to love. And John sees Jesus as this embodiment of God's love. 
And if love is what Jesus means by me, then the only way to God is through the love of God, which is the way and the truth and the life. And so as I was sort of pondering all of these things this week, Mm -hmm. uh, one of my new favorite stories kept popping into my head. Uh, It's a children's book because I think children's books are more fun than adult books. They have pictures and stuff. (laughs) And and they tell the story more concisely usually. Yeah, they get to the point a lot more quickly, (laughs) which I appreciate in my eightness. So this guy named Dav Pinkley Mm -hmm. wrote a book called God Bless the Gargoyles. Mm. And it sort of tells the story of, of gargoyles. So, you know, in ancient times, they built these huge cathedrals and they would carve these scary monster kind of things to put on the corners of the cathedrals to keep away, to scare away evil spirits and protect mm-hmm. the church. <laughs> and that, that was what they were intended for. But time passed and the people who made the gargoyles passed and that information was lost, lost. along the way. And suddenly gargoyles are just these scary things. And, you know, and it feeds into the fear narratives that we have around religion because we all have this internal judgment that we externalize and project everywhere. And so, you know, gargoyles became these scary, ugly things and the people started to call them horrid. And why are they on Mm -hmm. these beautiful buildings? Why are they on the church and all of these things? If God is love, then why are these scary things here? And it broke the gargoyles' hearts. Because they were just trying to protect. Because like the gargoyles in the Disney movie... About Quasimodo, <laughs> you know, they're just they're just trying to do their job, man. Right. They're just kind of they're just average Joes, and right. so these gargoyles, their hearts break, and the angels hear their tears. And angels have a way of making things right, is one of the lines in the book. Mm. And so the angels come and they sit with the gargoyles until night falls, mm. and then when night falls, they wake the gargoyles up, mm-hmm. and they um, and the gargoyles realize that they can move, and they go flying over the world. And as they fly over the world, the gargoyles see, you know, people in all these different places, people in villages and in, in cemeteries and people in cities. And they see all the brokenhearted people and all the people who are grieving and with each one of them is an angel. Mm. And they realize that God is blessing the whole world mm-hmm. and not just the people that you think right. should be blessed. And if that's how God loves, then that's how we love. Yeah. And so this God bless the gargoyle story, like everybody got really into it and it was, it was kind of fun. If God wants us to experience the fullness of love, then that means reaching out to love the things that we don't understand and the the people that we don't understand and the people who have been rejected in Mm -hmm. a lot of ways and the people who are grieving and hurt and lost, just like those angels. The angels are often signs of God's love, right? And so our job is to do that and in doing that work we find the way and the truth and the life and that God is making that room for us, not just in some mansion far, far away, but in every moment Mm -hmm. of our lives here and now. Yeah. God is inviting us to live in this moment. Yeah. And making space for us in this moment. Right. And until we get that God is making space for us, it's going to be really hard for us to authentically make space for others. Right. So those two things are linked. Yeah. Because I, I think about, you know, one of those ways that we talk about um, knowing that there's space for us is like the feeling of assurance, you mm-hmm. know, of, of grace and assurance. And then how often people talk about that experience for themselves and then um, forget or ne- don't see that the opportunities they have to offer that to others. Exactly.
Well, and then, I mean, I could get into, like, I could get into Monai, which is Jesus talking about, you know, I go to prepare a place for you, which is like the resting place when you're mm-hmm. on a journey through the desert. The oasis is the right. Monai. And so, like, the fact that each one of these spaces that God creates is not the place that we hang out, but the place that we go forth from. Right. We could get into, like, the definitions of salvation. Salvation means healing and wholeness, and yeah. but it also means making space. Right. And so, like, this idea of creating room mm-hmm. is all over the book of John, which is right. one of the reasons why I think if I spent a little bit more time I'm with this, you'd be like, kind of oh, in depth, I'd be like, all those other people that I don't like, not oh, actually it's just, John. It's just the evangelicals with a capital E who have made me hate John. Yeah. <laughs> um, but really John is a lot broader than that. And mm-hmm. um, so, you know, I like that God bless the gargoyles and, and recognizing that in the story, God bless the gargoyles, the people who turned on the gargoyles were the religious people. Mm. And that when we get too attached to our religion and to our isms and to our, belief systems right. and our doctrines and not attached to the love that of we God, end up in such trouble. We lose, we lose sight of what's important. Um, and it might seem like foolishness to kind of throw all that stuff to the wind because it's easy to say, Oh, we should just love everyone. And it's a lot harder to actually love everyone. Yeah. But that's our job. And so for me, the, the good news this week is that God is clearly bigger than religion's mistakes mm-hmm. and religion has made a lot of mistakes. Yeah. And so you know, particularly with all of the news that came through my newsfeed this week. Yep. I just am grateful that God is bigger than religion. Yep. And that is important to me. And then I closed with this quote from Jim Wallace. Jim Wallace is a Christian mm-hmm. author who writes about politics and religion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's written such books as Why the Right Gets It Wrong and the Left Doesn't Get It, mm-hmm. which I think is perfect. Yep. Uh, he's written about, Racism. you know, America's big sin, which is racism. He's written about a lot of things, but uh, this is one of this is one of his quotes. He says, you know, we stand before the world as fools. Mm. We are foolish enough to believe that Jesus is stronger and more true than the way of the world. We rest secure in the knowledge that he has and will overcome. We're called to be fools for Christ, a people saved by his cross and converted finally by his resurrection. May God convert us to such foolishness Amen. that we would have hope that this way and truth and life is bigger and better than all the other places we try to hang our hearts. Amen. And so that was it. Cool. Well, thanks for listening to the Sunday Morning Sleep In podcast. If you have questions for us or stories or uh, maybe a good joke, uh, shoot us an email at sundaymorningsleepin at gmail.com. We also take bad jokes. We do, Yeah, we do like bad jokes. Find us on um, all the platforms that you can find podcasts and recommend us to your friends. The scripture for this podcast was John 14, 1 to 14. The theme music you're hearing is Take Me Higher by Jazzer. And we're going to be taking a break. Yes, we are making some space for ourselves um, and modeling good self-care. Care, right. We, we keep telling we keep telling those, those coming up behind us about self-care, so we've got to do it too. So actually next week, this coming, this coming Sunday, Sunday, is Churches Left the Building, which, which is, is so much fun because our churches actually leave the building. We leave the, we're like Elvis. It's brilliant. It's but brilliant. what we do is we cancel all of our regular worship services and all of the people in the church break into teams and we go all over the city and we work with different community partners and nonprofits that provide services that we are not able to provide, like medical care and continuing education, education. and 
basic hygienic stuff for people in our community. people after being in prison and yeah. education and all of that. Like, lots it's of great stuff. Addiction recovery, cool, cool stuff. Right. Um, and so uh, our teams are going to go out and support those people who are doing this great work yep. as a way of saying we love our neighborhood. We love mm-hmm. our neighbors. And um, and then we'll gather for worship at Sparks UMC in the afternoon but together. neither one of us are preaching, so we have nothing to talk about. We won't have anything to talk about. And... We're just gonna, you know, live in that space for a little while, yeah. and that's great. Yeah. And so, then the following week, we're gonna be on vacation. Yep. So we'll we'll be back. We will be back. Don't worry about us. We will be back, and we'll see you in a few weeks. Yeah. All right. Well, All right. the end of any service and any podcast, it is traditional. <laughs> well, our podcast for the priest to deliver a blessing to the congregation. <laughs> they have something like this on Pod Save America and all those other podcasts. Okay, they, okay. they give them a good word. So here's a good word. Here's here's some wise words to make you a little bit holier. You have been blessed. The God of all creation has made room for you and invites you to hang your heart on the God of love and to trust that living into that love will bless you. And this God, who invented all the best things in the world, thought the world needed one of you. Amen. Thought the world needed one of you. The question is, whatever you believe about the exclusivity of your belief system, whatever you believe about who you're called to serve and be with, how will you choose to live into your own skin this week? How will you love? How will you listen? How will you serve? How will you seek justice? Maybe you slept in, but now it's time to wake up and get moving. Amen. Amen.